Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Tell Us Your Tale podcast. Um, alongside me, as always, is Jake. You. And today we're joined by a special guest, uh, gym owner and good man, Tez. Hello. Thanks for thanks for coming on, mate. No worries. Um, so, your story so far, um, army career, gym owner, very good gym, by the way, Pride Gym, Cheers. bottom of Abscott Lane, Lomar. I think where to go about it, Tez, because I don't know anything about you. Um, really, just tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, yeah. how you grew up, your career and where we are now. Yeah, no worries. So, I was born in... Uh, well, I was born in hospital, but I'm from Woodside originally. Um, I was grew, grew up there for a few years and then moved up sort of Buckshaw way. Um, at 16, on leaving school, I got basically chucked out from uh, sixth form. I just didn't turn up, gave me an inch, I took on my arm, never went. Uh, so I got a job in Bradford. Do you remember Sports Shoes Unlimited? Yeah, oh, I was yeah, on yeah. about that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Were you work there? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to work there. Um, and it was a decent little gig. Remember, we used to have that little football stadium thing mm-hmm. at the back with all the boots. That giant boot as well, wasn't yeah, there? They were a massive boot. Yeah, I always remember that with like a driving range for football. Yeah, you used it? to yeah. test the boots out in the nets and stuff. So I worked down there. Um, and if you were in the football bit, it was dead easy. You're on your own. Mm. You just played, just tried football boots on all day and twatted them into a net. And <laughs> with massive screen playing old school football, it was class. Um, oh, sweet. No, my dad wasn't happy with it because I was getting paid like three pound an hour. So, <laughs> so I started looking around for jobs. Uh, I went into Leeds on the train, and I remember I've got a really bad memory, but I remember vividly remember getting into Leeds, going on Bond Street where the AFCO is, the careers office for forces. And this is not long after Iraq had kicked off, and the street were immaculate, but the AFCO were covered in spray paint. All the windows were smashed. It was boarded up, egged everything. Protesting about Iraq, yeah. mm. uh, so I went in, <laughs> as you do, <laughs> looking for a job. So I walked in, walked up to the front. There's an army guy sat there. He said, oh, "How can I help you?" I said, uh, "I just want to speak to the RAF or Navy." He said, "Well, Navy guy's on his dinner. RAF's here." So I joined the RAF, basically. Yeah, oh. simple yeah. as that. Simple as that. I yeah. suppose yeah. Obviously, a job opportunity. It's a bit one. more of an elongated process. Obviously, I sat down, had a chat, uh, went back for the aptitude test, stuff like this. Uh, got back. Told my mum and dad. My dad was sound. He's ex Navy. Not that he did much. He, he got. He went here well anyway. But um, <laughs> my mum were a bit shocked. But yeah, I did all the aptitude tests. I said I wanted to be a qualified electrician. I want to get a trade. That was a big thing. Get for my dad. Get a trade, which is fair dues. Um, so I went in as a communications electronics engineer, which in short um, is radar, uh, airfield communications kit, that sort of stuff, uh, radio. Satcoms. So, so sixteen joined up, um, and it were a baptism of fire. Really, you know, it's still, it was still pretty like the raft's gone pretty soft now, but back then it was still, you know, it were pretty rough and ready. Um, going from sixteen, having lions, going out with my mates, you know, going then with grown ass men shouting in your face, getting fizzed. Um, inspections, three hour sleep, that sort of stuff. Mm. It were pretty intense really. So you grew I grew up quick. It grew up really quick and um you know I were there I think basic training back then was uh, nine weeks. So I did the basic training uh, and that were rough like I grew up a lot in that nine weeks. And it was good because the guys around me they look after you, you know, because you're sixteen, you're young, you sort of wet behind the ears. Um I didn't even have to shave every day back then. 
because I was that young, you know, the big things obviously <laughs> shave. Yeah, so on my inspection, my razor were gleaming every time because <laughs> I never used the fucker. Um, so yeah, yeah, but uh, it, you grew up quick, like, and, and that was good. And then obviously did that, went to trade training, and then that was a, quite a long process because obviously the training up to be an electronics engineer. You have to learn a lot in terms of theory and then doing the practical stuff. Is that just like a full-blown apprenticeship like you were done civvy straight on? Yeah, the good, it's a really nice gig to be fair, an apprenticeship back then because you went into doing an apprenticeship, you're on full pay for your rank, which was relatively low, but you know, for a 16-year-old, yeah. I was balling, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing to pay for. No time to spend it either as well. Yeah, well, yes and no. So when you got a chance to spend it, you're mm. like a payday millionaire. Um so that, but that were a good gig because basically you go, it's like going to school with adults for 18 months with a bar, living together, eating together, getting a shower in the same sort of shower room together. You do everything together. Um, so you get really good sort of friendships and it's just a laugh. It was literally just a laugh for like 18 months. Obviously you do a lot of fizz, you've got inspections, you've got the military stuff that you'd normally get, exercises, that sort of stuff. But um yeah, so we did that sort of for 18 months, sort of literally limped through that because I spent half the time getting pissed. <laughs> Managed to scrape through uh, and then I got my first post in and that was uh, two... F- so I joined April 03 and I got my... F- I've managed... Well, my first post in was December 04 and I went to uh, Waddington near Lincoln. Right. Uh, so I went there, uh, went to what's called a ground radio um section so you're doing radar um transmitters receivers that sort of stuff maintaining the airfield comms and yeah. stuff like that uh, and again by this point uh i'm just about 18 um and again a bit more of a baptism of firing you know you're having to actually do the job people are expecting standards this sort of stuff uh and i was still pretty immature back then i was fair to say um a bit of a little shit to be honest and I remember on my first report, my annual report, I got the worst score you can actually get. It's very rare. <laughs> so you have, they used to have this old scoring process. They have um, uh, strongly recommend for promotion, highly recommend for promotion, recommended for promotion, not likely, uh, sorry, likely to be recommended, and then not likely to ever be promoted. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I was like the 0.1% that I got, the not likely to ever be promoted. So that sort of gave you an idea. And basically, I just sort of got pissed for like two years through that. Um, met some really, really good friends. A lot of them still in touch with now. You know, we had a really mm. sort of good group back then. Um, played a lot of football, did a lot of sports together, um, spent a lot of time together. And it's, it's, that's, it's that's carried on for probably the next 11 years. You know, that process of living with your mates, working with your mates, going to dinner with your mates, having tea with your mates, playing sports with your mates, then going to the park and just repeating that. Monday to Friday, you sort of don't realise how good you've got it. So that I'll come back to that. But you know, eleven years later, when I left, that was tough to sort of adjust. So I did. So I did Warrington, and then Iraq was still rumbling on at this point. But I felt like I was kind of just treading water and wasting my time a little mm. bit. Um, so I volu- and Afghan had not long kicked off. So I volunteered to go to Afghan. Did my first tour, and that first tour was as a, a baggage handler basically um sorry no passenger handling it was so basically what i did was on uh, in bastion they had a flight line where the helicopters come in hot landing people get on you throw the bags on you get the shit off and it flies off again uh, so i did that for four months it was class they were like me and one other guy 
there were me and one of a guy of my rank, which was like the lowest rank, mm. uh, and then a corporal. But we had no seniors really, so we, we were just in charge, us three, well, I think there's four of us actually, four of us are really low ranks in charge, a pretty critical job, you know, mm. like getting yeah. people on the right flights, making sure they're getting the post off, getting the right bags on, getting the baggage off, all under a helicopter that's just landed, that's still spinning and it's loud as fucking getting, doing all that in like, you know, a minute so they could go off again. Wow. So uh, it was good. It was a really, really good experience. Saw a lot, got around Afghan quite a bit. Um, and that, you know, I was young back then. Again, and that was another growing up period for me where I sort of put myself, I took a risk and I sort of put myself in a place where I'd had to challenge myself and push myself. And that's probably, it probably that's probably the first time I started that process, which I've sort of carried on since really, in right. terms of pushing yourself, getting out of your comfort zone. So I re- and I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, came back, felt like I didn't really want to go back fully of just sort of treading water and fixing transmitters and receivers and a bit boring, really, to be honest. Uh, so I volunteered to go um, on like the RAS version of the arm. They get a lot of shit in the military because, and with good reason, usually. So RAF regiment, it's like mm. uh, the RAF's army, if that makes sense. So I worked on there as their signaler, basically, again, doing the trade, but in a more active um combat environment if that makes yeah. sense did a tour with them again of afghan with those those guys that were good um again learned a lot a lot of responsibility i was the only guy out there responsible for their comms their ecm which is the countermeasures for ieds responsible for all that stuff and that went well came back and again that yearn for doing more sort of carried on so i was at raf regiment squadron for like two years and again a lot of drinking <laughs> Um, I forgot actually in between the RAF Regiment Squadron and the first tour, I did Cyprus for like two years, which mm. was insane. And that, yeah. Were you like Paphos were then? Uh, yeah, we were based sort of down the south. So yeah, but yeah, so just south of Paphos near Limassol. Yeah. Based down there. Um, and that was literally, you'd work half days because of the heat. And then on a Friday, you'd finish at midday. We'd have our cars packed, we'd drive straight to Ironapa. And we'd do two and a half days in Ironapa, just getting absolutely blitzed. And then go back and just repeat that process Brilliant. for like six months. So all the money I saved in Afghan, I spunked in uh, Iron Apparent Square, really. You were banned. We were banned from there, but we just stayed in small groups and sort yeah. of kept our head down. You could spot the army guys from a mile because they were in groups of like 10, mm-hmm. uh, try to fight with everyone they could find on punch bag machines or whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we just sort of kept his head down a little bit and just had a laugh really good. Did that for two years. And then I volunteered for the RAF Red Squadron, did that for two years. But in the back end of there, again, I felt like I could do more. Yeah. You know, you see the guys going out in Afghan, seeing the action, doing stuff, that sort of thing. You sort of held back a little bit. So, and I did, I, I want a guy that's going to go out and be an infantry, you know, I didn't have that in me. You know, they're, they're a next step above, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I volunteered to do basically an intelligence-based job. Can't go into massive detail about it, but... Did that for two years, passed the selection for it, which was a massive. And that's another one of those vivid memories. You know, when you pass a selection, you don't expect you're, you're up against grown ass people, mm. you're very experienced, 20 years down the line of their careers, seeing your ranks, and you're getting selected above them as that bottom rank who's not likely to ever be fit for promotion. You know, that's quite a proud yeah, moment. Yeah. So How saying, old are you at this point? So at this point, I am 20, 24. 24 at this point yeah you've got 40 year old people who are just crumbling and you know I managed to get through it and did alright really so um, sorry um, whilst all this is happening are you yeah. with your wife 
at the time. Yeah, so with Tanya, yeah, yeah, with Tanya, yeah. So Tanya's my wife. So yeah, we were we were together. Uh, we weren't married at this point. We were just together, just sort of long distance yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, basically seeing each other when we can on a weekend. Mm. Um, uh, getting life fuss, Facebook updates of me in Cyprus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in a puddle, of my own piss. <laughs> Do you not think though that looking back? it were probably better that you were doing all that while you were in army and going to Nyanapa and spunking all your money, but knowing you had to be back on base, ready to rock Monday, because you'd have only done the same in Acapulco and Halifax, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, loved it while it happened. Yeah, yeah. just just enjoyed every moment we could with it, to be honest. Um, I, I, I could have actually stayed for another year in Cyprus. I mean, it's a three-year posting, but I volunteered to short tour, which is basically just do two years. Because I'd kind of done two summers, I were I were in shit state, mm. <laughs> skin, even though I get paid extra. And again, like, it was just that um, that personal personal development and challenge thing about doing something different and harder and just pushing it. So, um, so that's why I sort of left there. Um, so, but we're about two thousand and ten now, and I get based down. It's just a tri service places, so. It's Army, Navy, and RAF sort of all working in the same place. So I passed the selection, went into trading there. Did the course, which was about eight weeks. Um, again, completely new to everybody that's on there. It's not something you just have as a trade or you mm. come in. Learned the course, did the course, passed the course, and then went into a, into a, basically into a squadron in the unit um, and did basically pre-deployment trading before you go, obviously, out on tour. And that, and we were out of our course. We were the me and another couple of lads. We were the last ones to go out. So we saw all our people on our course, our peers go out, do the mm. tours, come back, and then we went out. And I think my first one doing that job. So this is my third Afghan tour now, but my first one with that unit that was November ten, I think. Right. Um, Fucking hell! It's pretty spicy time in Afghan at that point. It was busy, very busy, um, and it was a massively intense job. Like mm. it was a. You know, I'm not big on people saying how many hours they work a day. I don't really take much take much credence from it, but it was like literally 15, 16 hours solid of work and then you've got the other stuff around it. And then but for four months straight, not one day off, Christmas Day, you're mm. doing it, you know, New Year's Day, you're in there, that sort of stuff, no days yeah. off. So we were intense, but good. Um, and again, you're in that sort of band. You know, they call it that band of brothers. It's a real <coughs> cliche, but, you know, cliches are there for a reason. Yeah, you are, you know, yeah. you get close to these people, you Cut go off. through it together and so on, that was good. You get close to people you work with for twelve-hour shifts. Never mind. Yeah, sixteen hours sharing yeah. a bedroom, probably with them, yeah, showers with them, feeding, then, with, eating with them. So, yeah, sleeping in a tent to them, next sucking yeah. in the farts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. gonna get close to them, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, did the first tour of that as basically like an operator, and that went really well. Um, came back, and I remember walking into the office when we got back for like a um, basically like a post-deployment chat. We were like one of the. the senior NCO at the time. He's all right, lads, how'd it go? Yeah, it went really well. Okay, right, when can you go back? I'm like, fuck, you know. So at this point, you know, I'm engaged, getting married. So I've come back off tour. We've had to delay, we've had to delay the wedding by five months because I've gone away. Jesus. So we're having a Christmas wedding in April when I've come back because <laughs> I've been away. And he's like, when can you go back again? I'm like, fuck, you know, uh, when do you want us to go back? He's like, two months. I was like, fuck, you know, I've just, <laughs> just done five. Yeah, yeah. So I came back, uh, got married, got her pregnant, 
And See then, ya. <laughs> and then uh, fucked off again, basically. Yeah. So yeah, went away again for like another uh, four or five months. Um, and this time it was working on night. I basically did nights for like five months. I came back like an absolute shadow of a man doing the same thing. So that was a fourth tour then. And then um, got back. She was pretty heavily pregnant at this point. And uh, Tommy, my first, was, mm. was sort of born at the end of uh, 2012. So no, my first tour had been, I can't remember, times are all over the yeah. place. But yeah, he was born in 2012. I then went into an instructor role. So I started teaching the job that I was doing. So I did that for, for a while and that was really good. And that's it. It's at that point my put my PVR in, which is the, you know, your chit to leave. I got fucked over really, basically on promotion side. I, obviously, I'd never been fully promoted. I did the acting rank above for like six years. Um, I kept getting fucked over on really badly written reports, loads of random stuff because I were in Afghan, not painting a fucking school wall. Mm. You know, like somebody did who were injured and fat as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> then I, I wouldn't get promoted, and I, I was there going doing two tours in a year, and and because it won't representing the RAF fully and all this. It was just loads of politics. And I thought, you know, oh, fuck this amount, basically. So I just binned out. And at the same time as well, I was probably due to go out again. Mm. But obviously Tommy were around at this yeah. point, so I didn't want to go out again. So I binned out, did resettlement. And that's a process where you sort of go through, you say, I want to do this trade or that trade. And I did that process. And I did my project management qualifications as part of that. Because it kind of related loosely to what I was doing in the military. But the thing is, a lot of people don't realize the military is, the very transferable skills that you get. Mm. The, the military is very good at making you think you don't have transferable skills yeah. to make you stay usually. Um, so I did, I did, I did, the, did those qualifications and they were, they were rough, you know, they were pretty tough to be fair. Um, exams, you know, which is a pretty intense week of a course and then an exam at the end, but past all those. And then I used those basically because I wanted someone to work at home. So I got those qualifications. Uh, and then got a job in London. <laughs> so yeah, some misses were pleased with that. Um, so I went to London and I did. I was down there working in the MOD on a project uh, on a contractor basis then. So like not fully employed as a civvy. And I was down there for about eight months. I was paying more to rent a a bedroom than I was for my mortgage. Yeah, home. It's I can imagine. Mate. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah, really bad. And I'm not a big fan of London. I've never been a big fan of London, to be honest. I've worked there been there a few times lived there and it's just i, I like seeing grass i yeah, like yeah i like open space that's why i like that's why i love where we live you know you always come back don't you and i've been away everywhere and you always end up coming back mm. even if it's bradford and it's a shithole <laughs> but you always come back so. <laughs> do you know obviously coming from an army background and being in afghanistan and sort of being around and in a place where anyone and and everything could be a threat did you have were you a bit on high alert being in somewhere like london where there's just fucking so many people i mean i can't i've i've been to london working once and we had a jolt around i felt claustrophobic walking yeah. down the street yeah it is it's, it's, it's mental I, I don't think i ever felt like i was massively a threat it was more like you said about that claustrophobia side it's it, it's weird like you see everyone loads of people can switch off and they can just do it and they're just like it's like the, it's like the rat race isn't it you know they're mm. just in and out of each other and all that and I think sometimes it's hard to sort of get in that zone especially if you're not sort of um, conditioned to it if you, if you know what I mean um, so yeah I just didn't like that that whole thing like you said there I'd often 
if I needed to get a tube somewhere, I'd often try and walk as much as I could before having to sort of jump on a tube to do yeah. like a long stretch. Um, just because I didn't really like it, to be honest. And then you've got people cycling on roads and that's fucking mental down there. So nah, the whole thing, the whole thing about London, it was just not for me really. Um, I just prefer being back up here. People are a bit more straightforward up here as well. Yorkshire. Uh, yeah, you can always spot a Yorkshire person on a tube as well because yeah. start talking to someone and then if I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so has homesick never been an issue for you then, really? Has um, no, me and Tam work well in that way. We always did. And it's funny, so I came back from London, like eight months later, I got a job in Bingley. Hmm. Um, and this was in financial services this time, project manager in financial services. Oh, we're working in project management, IT, IT slash project management in uh, financial services. And I was at home then, and that's when I sort of, I'd left and I, I struggled with that transition of leaving because I was at home every day. I was having to do stuff at home that I wouldn't normally have to do, yeah. you know, trying to help Tan out and then I'm getting under her feet and annoying her and we've got a little in as well. So I try mm. and do as much as I can there. So I wanted to be at home. I wanted to help. I wanted to be part of it. And that, that was a struggle A, because I didn't have that um independence that you get when you're in the military you know when you're with your mates and you do what you want and if you don't want to go out you don't you just sit in your room you've got your own space yeah never have your own space then do you so it's a bit that were a bit hard to transition i didn't realize i thought it'd be a piece of piss but it won't mm. and I, a lot of people i speak to when they leave they feel the same thing yeah so that was tricky but i think what i did that's when i sort of got into the gym i'd, I'd always trained i'd always try to stay fit especially when i went to the sort of that last unit i was really very fit there um and that was a case of you know, the RAF have a reputation of being, you know, basically because you get paid more, you get put in hotels, <laughs> you get a lot of shit from like army, not as much Navy, but at the army sort of, they've got a real sort of chip on their shoulder about mm. that. So it, a point to me to prove back to them was that I were fitter than them. Yeah. You know, if you can do it, I can fucking do it. So I did. So I'd keep up with them. I'd try and beat them as much as I could so that I didn't get that flack. And you'd see the RAF guys who was used to being fit enough for the RAF, but probably not for like a tri-service environment, they'd get so much shit. Like really they would get so much shit. So I'd train two, three times a day just mm. to sort of make sure I'd stayed up with them. And then when it came to like doing the fizz with them, you know, I'd be I'd be in front of them, I'd be beating them. Uh, and that were a big thing. So that's where some of my fitness thing started. And then when I left and I started working at home, that's when I got into the gym a bit more because I needed that something. Yeah. You know, that's something yeah. work wasn't doing it, you know, and you know, you get when you get sort of itchy feet, that's why I started going to the gym a bit more, and then I got into it a bit more. But then I thought, right, I need a goal, I want something to train towards, and you know, you, it's like, it comes back to that pushing yourself to do that little bit more, a little bit extra challenge, challenge, challenge. So I decided to do a natural bodybuilding competition, um, did it kind of off my own back. Actually, I, it was a, just a bodybuilding competition, it wasn't even a natural one. I did it off my own back and basically just starved myself into oblivion for six months and tried yeah. to train through it and I were an absolute shell of a bloke. <laughs> um, trained every morning, 6am, uh, with a little in as well. So, you know, mm. I were in shit state. Went to Streamline Gym up, up in Bradford um, every morning and then competed. And I actually came third out of 12 um, in a category which was full of guys who were on, who were assisted basically, yeah, you, know, yeah. using, you know, using yeah. anabolics or whatever. Came third out of 12 in that, which is wow. really pleasing, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so then I sort of got a little bit of a bug for training. I kept training, kept training. I didn't compete again for another couple of years. But in the meantime, uh, I did a couple more years at financial services. 
and then went to work away again. <laughs> so I was talking to an old friend, one from right back at Lincoln, you know, in 2005. I was talking to him and he'd got a job installing uh, basically like an analog to digital transformation for RAF airfields because they're really sort of archaic or they were are still kind of actually still doing the project but using like uh, valve driven technology to do transmitters and receivers is really old stuff mm. massive boxes you know size of this table sort of thing so basically changing that to a, a really small compact digital up-to-date basically box um, so it was a big program for that so I went to work on that and I did that for a couple of years and again I got promoted in that to be a team leader I don't think I was very good at the job to be honest but you know smokes mm. and mirrors and yeah, yeah. yeah making stuff sound good I got promoted in that as well so do you just going back a little bit you you hear a lot about um soldiers and mil, military personnel coming out at army and then really struggling to adapt to civilian life do you think that were a key decision for you, choosing to focus on your training? And do you think you could have potentially struggled a lot more if you hadn't found that outlet for finding something to do? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I, It wasn't something that I consciously did, but looking back, it did, it did massively help. Like, yeah. if I'd have not started training, if I'd not stuck to it, if I hadn't been dedicated to it, if I'd have just sort of persisted in trying to just be at home and work, then, yeah, it could have gone anywhere, really. Yeah. It could have gone really west. I mean, I, I totally get it when it happens to blokes who leave now uh, who, struggle, who struggle with it. You know, some, some blokes are absolutely fine. You know, everyone's different, aren't they? You know, everyone's got different sort of levels and tolerance and what gets them going or done. Um, but, yeah, for me personally, it really worked out quite well in that respect. And that's why a lot of guys who come out, they still end up working away because... It's kind of what they used to really, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that from working away. I, I still do it now. When when I'm on my days off, I try cram so much in. Yeah. I, I'm like, I go to the gym, I take our last out for something to eat, we'll go to park with kids, I'll go see my mum, I'll go see my grandma, do this, do that. And it's because back when I worked away, I might have had three, four days off and then, like yourself, being away for another month. So you try to cram everyone in and make everyone happy as quick as you can. And I still struggle now, like, I'm at home, I work at home. But I, I proper relate to what you're saying there. It's just not the normal, is it, for you, you know what I mean? Mm. So I can't imagine from being in army and doing it that way, what? RAF. RAF, sorry. Don't offend him. Is it worth me to offend the army? <laughs> get really pre- you'll be getting all the comments going, isn't that fucking army? <laughs> so you came third in your first competition. Yeah. It sounds to me like you've got a massive competitive streak in you. Well, your competitive side here, I've come third. If I just, maybe next time I can come second or maybe next time I come first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, like, I'm really happy with third as well, you know. Yeah. Guys it's a massive least. achievement. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Well, and because I didn't have a coach, you know, I did it all off my own back mm. from reading Google and forums but back then it was forums you know mm-hmm. what i mean there wasn't really much going on in terms of what else so reading forums and stuff like that um to get hints tips and approaches that sort of stuff um watching posing videos online on youtube and stuff and try to practice all that sort of shit find out how to do you it sounds daft like how to do your tan yeah yeah it's yeah. a, a big thing you know <laughs> yeah. in competitions you're trying to find out how to do that do that properly so yeah yeah it was good 
Um, and it just, it kept me going on the side. And when I worked away again, you know, and I, I was all over this point. I was middle of Wales. I was uh, bloody Cornwall, East Anglia. You worked everywhere. It was, and usually RAF airfields are in the middle of fucking nowhere. So, you yeah. know, you were all over the place. So you, you were finding gyms anywhere. I trained in a barn in Wales for months. And it was literally a barn with some really old school kit in there that a guy done for a hobby. He dropped a pound in a, an old butter box on the way in, that sort of gym. It was this this point though, because I was traveling so much, I started planning my own gym. I said, I remember, Tanya, remind, Tanya remembers it vividly, like I rang and I said, look, I've got an idea. We're going to open a gym. Right, okay, yeah, okay, right, whatever. That <laughs> sort of thing. She's like, right, okay, well, just let me know. So I started basically to try and fill the time you know, you're doing like six hour drives, just podcasts, mm. you know, listen yeah. to podcasts, much like this one, people have done it before or whatever. Um, I listened to one actually, it's called Startup. Have you heard of Gimlet? The, it's like a no. media company, they do loads of podcasts, podcasting yeah. company. But it, he did a podcast of him starting that company. Yeah. And it's really good actually, it's really interesting. <clears throat> uh, and it was like eight episodes long, but it went through the process of, you know, how you don't sleep at night, you're thinking about it. Uh, what to do, set up, how to get finances, business planning, this sort of stuff, all this stuff. If you find it out yourself, really, as you're doing it. And I, you know, I didn't have a coach to set up the business. I just started business planning on the night because I didn't want to, you know, in a hotel, you train, you eat, and then you, you sit on your bed and watch Netflix. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. You know, it's a lonely, it's a lonely place. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and it really annoyed me. Like, I'd watch Netflix for like ten minutes. And I'm like, this is fucking shit. I'm bored. So I try to keep my brain, my brain busy, basically. So I started business planning. Um, got a, like a template offline, started filling that out, then got in touch with a company called Startup Launch Company, who work with X-Forces, got some stuff off them in terms of templates, really filled it out, and I went to like the nth degree. If I had my laptop, I could tell you the percentage of people between 31 and 50 and low more that smoke, that are active, and I could tell you the percentage of people between sort of 50 and 64 that train, that actively, that, that are active, but have health problems. You know, I went to the nth degree in research what the it? market was. Yeah. Identified the area because, you know, you've got gyms in Whips here, which is sort of two miles mm. up. You've got gyms oh, sort of down White mm. Bridge, uh, Brighouse, mm. but nothing in between really. And you've got a massive sort of pull there in terms of um, sort of BD6, BD12 and around. I'll so stop, uh, sorry, I'll stop you there it. because that's one thing that brought me to train at that gym. Mm. Um, as you both know, well, I, I believe I've gone into it, like I've gone from working away to having a company car to drop into one car at home and working pretty much on the end of my street. Yeah. And ideally, your gym is at the top of that street. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that is what brought me to you. And I'm quite glad that I did now because it's mm. a it's a very good gym and lovely staff and like yourself, Tanya, mm. very easy and approachable to get on with. So. And now he's sat here helping us out here. So, yeah. yeah. Can I just ask, going back a little bit, why why bodybuilding, why weightlifting? Why didn't you decide I'm going to go start running or, you know, of all things you could have decided to do, why were you straight away, this is what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to lift weights and go towards bodybuilding and were there a reason or? So I'd got, I'd got into sort of... Uh, it was it was in, it was actually in Cyprus when I was based in Cyprus, and I used to live with a lad called Danny Danny Jackson, uh, and we'd train. We basically and I knew him from my Waddington time, so Lincoln, so and I just I was going over, so just I basically I just moved in with him, um, and we'd literally train Monday to Friday 
get pissed Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, and then train and just repeat, rinse right. and repeat. So I got into training. Basically, he got me into training. His dad used to train, so he started training. He got into training, uh, and I started training with him. And I enjoyed that. That was like a, a thing to do as an enjoyment. Running, tabbing, uh, circuits, that sort of stuff. That was something that was always sort of forced upon you to do. Do you Mandatory, know what I mean? Like you always yeah. had, you didn't like for your phys, your PT, that's what you had to do. You were forced to do it. And you know, you were following some string, you know, some racing snake PTI around bloody country roads or whatever. So that was more like, it sort of seemed like a chore. Yeah. Whereas the training and the weightlifting stuff was more like a hobby. It was something you enjoyed doing. You could have a crack, you could have a chat, you know, you can push yourself on the weights a bit more. You see results as well, obviously, over time, yeah. you see results as well. So I did that because I enjoyed it more. I don't, I, I can run. I, I went for my first run the other day, actually, after about 10 years, I was fucked. But, <laughs> um, but it's not something I massively enjoy compared to training. I think it's the social side, really. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But bodybuilding is the most unhealthy thing you can do. Mm. It's horrendous. Like, you Put know, pressure out your head. Yeah, it's yeah. just... I just it's just a weird old sport it's like people trying to look the tip top best aesthetic giving people something to aim towards but honestly it's horrendous like you're starving your mood's low your energy's low you're not productive uh you can't be really that social either you know you can't really do much socially it's it's so bad if it's any <laughs> consolation to you I don't do bodybuilding and you've pretty much just described me, so I don't think it's just bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I'm I'm never doing it again. I've done I did I've done three competitions in total. Is it three? Yeah, three competitions in total. Uh no, sorry, four. Came third, won one. Uh is in my category, I didn't win the whole thing, won my category. And then uh came like second to last and like third in another and I was like done with this now you know the gym opened as well uh 2018 december 18 so sorry yeah we'll get back to where you are yeah so we basically i started that business planning and that was like february 18 i probably started doing that no it's probably it's probably a bit earlier actually sort of january 18 i'd been thinking about it for a couple months started planning properly sort of january february 18 got a bit further with it we got the name got the idea and again the idea the name the pride gym it's just one of those things that came to me randomly on a random road going to a fucking random airbase. Mm. And I was rang time, I've had an idea. The Pride Gym, like Lions, you know, community. Pretty relatable to a gym, that sort of thing. So, all right, yeah, that sounds good. So that's, that, that was the name. Um, just one of those random things that came to me as I was driving. Um, and then we registered it in April 18. Basically got the funding provisionally approved like july 18 that sort of thing but we had to get it from a i, I did this with no money saved mm. up by the way the gym no money yeah. at all so we've got a big loan to borrow uh, a lad i was in the raft with he came in as like a silent partner and put some money in as well so there was us two basically as like the founding people for the gym um and tanya obviously so then we found a unit um so the unit we've got now on i've got later wasn't the original unit we wanted the original one is uh, one that's attached that you drive around as you go around the back. Okay. Yeah. So we looked at that, but there wasn't any parking with it. So it was a bit, a bit of a nightmare. We needed the parking. So we had a look at the unit we've got now, and it had a, a car park, albeit it, it's always full now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've had yeah. to use the overflow at the back. Um, so we got that. We found, we thought, yeah, we can make this work. 
uh, we got the, we agreed the lease. That were I remember that process was quite elongated in making sure we had that agreed. Uh, and then we got the lease agreed. We got the keys in October eighteen, and then within, I think it was within about seven weeks, we were open. Wow. And that's not using trades. That's me, Tanya, a dad mainly, mm. and then some of my sort of dad and my family chipping in and just busting us balls really yeah, to yeah, get working. Yeah. You know, like we were knocking breeze block, double skin breeze block walls down ourselves with just a sledgehammer. Um, it was fucking hard graph, yeah, like some long old days. Um, and then we had some good tradesmen to help us do things like stud walling, that sort of stuff that were needed to be right, that we couldn't bodge because we bodged everything else basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it looks mint and yeah. then it looked really good. And then when we opened, you got to remember, like, because I've my project management stuff, I planned this to the nth degree. I had a project plan, I had everything. Finances, delivery dates, a lot. And we've managed to execute it really well. Better than any one I've done in a private company. <laughs> um, managed to execute it really well. Got the gym open on time. Got the kit literally the day before, after arguing tooth and nail for a delivery company to release it. Managed to get the kit in literally the day before. Um, and then when we opened, I think we must have had like... 20 bits of kit yeah like it was you know it was, we were happy with it we were proud of it we knew we wanted to expand and do more but when we look back now we're like fucking hell it's sparse yeah yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean and it was five half five and a half thousand square foot at that point so then we did a you know we did a good year we just added a few bits of kit in here and there when we got a little bit of money we added a few bits of kit in and we probably finished that first 12 months on around about 300 members Mm. probably which we're really happy with I always remember used to like as a team you know with the staff because we had staff working as well we'd always set ourselves little targets and I always remember that 200 mark we'd get to 199 then they go to 198 197 198 199 197 <laughs> you know you see like those little landmarks honestly it must have took us four weeks to finally get 200 and I was like thank fuck for that and then obviously we just kept going and then March 20 we were probably up to around about 400 members after, you know, the whole New Year thing mm -hmm. in uh, 2020. So we'd been sort of 13, 14 months down the line. Um, and then by about, yeah, so 15 months later, obviously, COVID came about. and The big C. Yeah, the big C. Put a massive spanner in the works. Massive. And I don't... It, this... It bugs me so much. Like, we all got offered vaccines. We all got offered advice in censor. Fucking don't lick tables and <laughs> don't talk to your mum and yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Go for a walk, but only for an hour a day. Go for a walk only for an hour a day because you need to stay active. But what we'll do is we'll shut all exercise outlets down. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't imagine as a business owner, well, a gym owner, how frustrating it must have been stood there with everything in front of you that you've done yourself knowing that the one thing that could help everyone is exercise you've got it there to offer on a plate and they're saying no close your doors mm. what, what uh, where did where does your thought process even start when you get that phone call it's, it's it was weird it wasn't even like a phone call it was the same Fuck, as everyone news, else wasn't it? yeah you just saw a, a news conference and telling you you're not opening tomorrow um and it was, it was literally as quick as that, if you remember. Like, mm -hmm. it was tomorrow is your last day. You know, you're closed. So you've got to think, obviously, our first thought, and that, you know, it's a th 
the first priority and always has been for our gym is the members like and the experience um so we tried to make sure we contacted everyone we could as best we could sending emails out and you know we were a small independent family business or still are small independent family business who relied on these payments to keep the lights on you know what i mean mm -hmm. to people to pay the memberships like the funding you got off the government wouldn't have really covered a great deal the landlord still wants paying you know he's still going to get his rent and he still wants his rent um and for a unit that size you know it's a fair whack mm -hmm. um so you know we had to sort of almost go capping hand to people and say look if you can if you can afford it please can you carry on paying the memberships if you can't totally understand you know no questions asked um we can just freeze it you know we'll freeze your payments and then i think it, it were a it's a real sort of hair standing up moment that from that sort of 400 probably 300 carried on paying memberships wow. for something they couldn't get access to and i think that spoke volumes for the work that tanya had done because i was still working away at this point i think it spoke volumes for the work that tanya had done and the staff and sort of translating what i wanted the gym to be to members for them to carry on paying you know so obviously they've done a great job of that um and I, you know i was there as much as i could and got to know people as much as i could but i wanted there as much as the staff and tanya and stuff so that helped us like massively just pay the bills basically you get like a you got like a grant, like 10 grand. Yeah, yeah. Which didn't really go very far. You know, and that were another thing that was a little bit annoying was if you had a 25 square foot business, it's 10 grand. Yeah. If you've got a 25,000 square foot business, it's 10 grand. Yeah. It's, there were no real like rationale or sort of thinking about it. It was just like a blanket number. I don't get me wrong, it could have been worse. It could have been nothing. It could have been five grand. But uh, I think it would have been ill thought and rushed that one well, it anyway. was definitely shit planned wasn't it because i'm sure people that were still able to work still got it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there were no proof no this, the, I, I had a beauty there was a guy uh who owned holiday lets but had them all registered as separate businesses so he had like 80 holiday lets no yeah. so he got 800 grand basically <laughs> In Jesus funding, <laughs> in funding for a holiday let right that had no utilities or use outside of, well, you know when we were locked down, mm. but then when he reopened, he's doubled or tripled his prices because he can't go abroad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So he's he's in a beauty, oh, really. That's that's it was just that sort of thing, right? It, and I know resources are limited, and there's only so much you can do. But you know, we took it and we used it and we paid some rent, and then obviously you get the furlough payments. But you've got staff that are getting paid 80% of the wage then, you know, so it's tough for them. Um, and there's not so much you can do, really. So we managed to sort of struggle through uh, the first sort of few months of it. And then my thought process all the way through was, even if we come out of this because people still pay memberships, with any extra money, that's not going to get pocketed. That's going to get spent back into yeah, the gym. Yeah. And that was always the case. So that's when we did uh, the first extension. So we used that money to make a better space for classes, mm -hmm. functional training, and then bigger cardio area. So, and that massively helped. So, you know, the Lion's Den. The Lion's Den, yeah, yeah. So we created an extra sort of 2,000 square foot area, which was uh, but basically like a big matted area with a rig, and then a variety of sort of kettlebells, slam balls. Yeah, bars. You know, that, yeah, well, bars, yeah. that sort of stuff. So like a basic, like almost like a CrossFit area, but not fully CrossFit. 
so we, we we made that space basically using any sort of money we had left and we actually had to borrow a bit more to do it mm-hmm. um and we did that so we had march to about july i think was oh, it yeah, july. yeah about july well, it, there were that um dog so shit rule weren't they yeah, if you're yeah, fucking, yeah. if you're circumcised you can go train if you're not you, you have to stay at home that sort of dog shit rule wasn't it if yeah. fucking go if you if you can, you can go to the gym as long as you buy a coffee or whatever else yeah so we had a few we had a few months and then in that period we we managed to refurb that and that was it was it was the landlord's old garage uh and it was full of like tractors and like some really old you know like you see those storage on a program there's yeah, about a yeah. field day in there like finding some stuff like proper old stuff and we actually cleared it out, new windows, did all the floors, got it painted, made it look really nice. And then we opened for about a month and then we had another lockdown. Um, and again, you go through the whole process again, then it's fucking contacting members and they've got loads of cancellations again and mm. stuff like that. But I think what was went into the local lockdown then. Do you remember mm, that bullshit? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So that's this what is I where, think I were referring to that then. Yeah, so this is where I went like, uh, I went a little bit militant at this point because I like that. No, this is bullshit now. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of shit because Bradford was the only uh, council at the time. Liverpool did it later and that's where a lot of people saw it. But Bradford at the time was the only place in a local lockdown to close gyms. Mm. So you, could, you couldn't go to our gym. You could travel two minutes down the road to Bailiff Bridge yeah, yeah. and train there. Yeah. But, but no difference. You know what I mean? All you're doing is crossing a postcode area. There's no, you know, COVID don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, one at that time as well where you couldn't go to your gym, but you could go get buy one, get one free and weather spoons. Meals, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, yeah, so full, full VAT relief on food and uh, sort of those outlets, you know, food outlets basically. Yeah. So they get full VAT relief, no matter the size of the company. I'd have been a bit more uh, sympathetic if it had been like small food and retail businesses get VAT free. But, you know, your massive chains are all getting VAT free as well. Mm. And I, you know, I've just had my VAT bill and it absolutely fucks you a big time. Yeah. Like, it's a stinker, absolute stinker. So the gym's never had that, ever had that, never had any sort of relief from a tax point of view, which I think is another load of shit, really. Because the amount of money they could save the NHS strain, that sort of stuff, put it mm. back into fitness, health, that sort of thing. Anyway, long story. So we had the local lockdowns and that's when I went a bit militant because of that sort of postcode area thing that they yeah. had going on. Bear in mind, like you say, yeah, you could go to a pub, you could go have a meal, you could do literally everything. You could go to hairdressers, you could do the lot, but you couldn't go to the gym. So that's when I started challenging the CEO of Bradford Council and uh, the head of Bradford Council. So one of them's Chris, I can't remember the name now, the other one's Susan Hinchliffe. And I was literally ringing their office every day. Give me the data. Give me the science behind mm. your decision. I was doing freedom of information requests. I was on ITV News, BBC News, The Pulse. I wrote an open letter to Ju- to Judith Cummings, Matt Hancock, Matt Hancock, uh, Boris Johnson, and all those. Like, I wrote an open letter to all them asking for why. Why is it, you know, we've been closed? Did you get any response? So eventually Judith Cummings picked up on it and mm. fair play to her, you know, that's our local MP. Mm-hmm. She came and visited the gym. I showed her the measures we'd, so we had that period of opening, remember, and then we got closed again. Showed her the measures we'd put in place, stickers about spacing, we'd spaced out. You remember we taped yeah, the whole yeah, gym? Yeah, we taped yeah. out squares. Yeah. 
for the fucking distancing shit. So did all that, moved all the kit around, mm. made that work, uh, showed her all that. Um, and she then had the idea of, I do a one-person petition. So I, literally a petition signed by me only with the open letter. Uh, and she took that and she read that at the Houses of Parliament. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and because it's addressed to Matt Hancock, he had to respond to it. So he got, he, he had, it got responded to and then, lo and behold, a week later, it got lifted uh, with the council then. So it got to the point at this point, in the meantime, by the way, I'm calling them all out publicly, right? So mm. all these media agencies are then going to council, to council and stuff. The council then come out and say, oh, it's the, it's the government. The government are then saying it's the council. Mm. And I'm in the middle like, what the fuck is going on? You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, eventually they all sort of, it sort of got swept under the carpet a bit, but yeah. Uh, I'll never forgive the, the council for that. No, no. I can imagine it being annoying for you as well, being on where yours is on Abscott Road, the uh, bottom of Abscott Lane, looking onto the road that leads you to Bailey Bridge. Yeah. Where probably your members are driving past your exactly. gym to go to another gym. Yeah. Like, no offence to that gym. They've fucking no, done, no. Not, done all wrong, but apart from being in a different postcode. Yeah, and we had, and not that gym you're talking about in Bailey Bridge, but we had other gyms in the areas, especially mm. sort of Brighouse areas that were contacting, they were going onto our Instagram, looking at our followers, no. and started contacting people about memberships and stuff. Is it two letters, <laughs> that Jim? Yeah. Dirty bastards. Yeah. yeah, really under, we messaged them about it, and they yeah, were like, nah, yeah. nah, nah, anyway, they stopped after that. So. Fucking hell. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So yeah, so we had that we had that period, and that were, that were probably one of the rougher periods uh, for me. You know, I'd be laid in bed at midnight, I'd be reading articles, I'd be Googling stuff, I'd be looking at uh, published articles. I'd be going through people's websites. I'd be reading science stuff. You know, because I went, I went like ham on like the science stuff and all the, you know, the mental health benefits and the cost and loads of different stuff like that. Um, and then it sort of, be, sort of, sort of engulfed me a little bit, and we managed to get it back open again. And literally, as we opened it. I just said to Tan, like, I don't even want to go into the gym now. Like, I feel like I've managed to get it open. I just want to leave it for people to enjoy it and just chill now. So fucked. Yeah, because <laughs> COVID for you, you weren't just going through it like Joe Public. You were going through it, uh, going through the COVID restrictions and as a business owner as well, yeah, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. So yeah, you're fucking double whammy really yeah. there, aren't you? And I st- at this point, I'm still working full time as well. Right. So I had a job oh, as a Jesus. project manager in Leeds. So working from home, trying to do that. And that were high stress because we had a project that was with some uh, suppliers in America. So we're on calls till stupid o'clock in the morning all the time. And uh, it got to November 20, what are we in now, 23. So yeah, November 20, uh, I took a massive, I did loads of, I did try to crunch loads of numbers and I just took a, the probably the big, I've always taken risks, always, always about risk for me, but you know, balancing that risk in terms of risk rewards. Mm-hmm likeliness severity that sort of stuff i took them the, probably the biggest risk i've ever done is probably leave that full-time job and then go full-time at the gym yeah so basically in remember that that first period when we opened we went from 400 members we dipped down to about 250 and we came back up to about 650 we had a massive wow. burst mm. after covid you know where people have been locked up they wanted to get into the gym which was great mm. and we'd obviously done the extension so we could kind of accommodate mm. a bit more we had that massive burst and obviously we had a lockdown against and it sort of you just get stagnated. Mm. And honestly, for I think we had the we remember the other we had those what fire breaks, you had another month, oh, another yeah, month yeah, too, yeah, in yeah. December, November, and all that sort of shit. So as we came out of that, I thought, right, I was gonna go full time and just try and grow the the grow the gym as much as possible. So 
I did uh, work full time, started working and did the morning shifts for a while. And then just did as much as I could in terms of growing the gym and getting people in the gym. And that's where we introduced Project U, mm-hmm. you know, the group training program mm-hmm. to use the space a bit more. And that's been really rewarding in terms of results. You see, you know, it's a result-driven service and you see people like literally telling you you've transformed the life yeah, with yeah, it. And yeah. that's, that's mega. Like, you know, having a gym as an access to get fit and that model is good and you get to know people and you see people, but they've got to do everything else off their own back. Whereas if you, when you're doing extra service for them, you do working hard, and obviously they're paying for the extra service as well. But when you get the results, that's what's really I bet, yeah, good yeah. and rewarding. You can see that you've changed someone's life. Just mm. yeah, 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 yeah. And from a business point of view, like you offering it and physical visual results, it sells yeah. itself yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah, point, it does. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great. Like we've got a few on as socials, as but that's like. 0.5% of what we we get you know most people don't want to point out there even though some really really good ones yeah but which is fair enough um so yeah so grew that and then um again took probably the next biggest risk which was doing the big extension big extension yeah so we're just like uh I thought we were getting to like a bit of a we were a bit of a tipping point we were we were busy mm-hmm. you know what I mean and for the size of the gym it was it was getting a bit tight uh, we froze memberships at one point and then reopened them um and like you know, so Tanya basically runs the gym day to day. Like there won't be no gym without Tanya. That makes that absolutely absolutely clear. Um, and she was like, "says it's fucking rammed." Yeah. And I'm like, "Good." I'm like, I, I hate it being there when it's rammed. I like it. When it's nice and chill. Mm. But she was there on the night time and saw it a lot. And I was, I just kind of did the early stuff. She did the later stuff. And she's like, "We need to do something about it." So we started planning the extension. We'd spoke to Dave, who's got the carpet place around mm-hmm. the corner. Uh, and he was looking to downsize anyway. So, and he had this big unit and it was literally just storing like house clearance stuff that he was just sort of subletting out. And we thought, you know, we could, we could probably make this work. So I went through the whole financial borrowing process basically to make it work. Um, and we managed to extend through. And that again, I think that took us eight to 10 weeks to fully do. And again, minimal sort of help from subcontractors apart from the stuff we couldn't do stood with flooring electrics mm-hmm. again got really good guys in for that um any members and members yeah yeah, yeah 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 we did we had people in there sort of ripping carpets up knocking walls down mm-hmm. with us um you know we i mean we had one guy john john mack he was in there probably three four days a week helping us out wow. it's mega mm-hmm. um you know can't do it without those people so um yeah, really, really good, uh, and it's it's working. Mm. Yeah, it's working. It's, I, I I probably naively thought you know I might be one of those builder and they will come. Uh, it's finally getting there. You know, it's been like nearly a year now. Is it? Yeah, it's coming. Well, yeah, about it's been about nine months, mm-hmm. and it's just keeps building basically, um, which is great. And I think we can accommodate a lot more now. So yeah, it just feels a bit more comfortable. It just yeah. relieve that pressure. Um, makes things a bit easier going on cardio a bit easier you're not on top of weights yes because you've got that sort of like that decompression zone with a class area mm-hmm. as well uh, the cafe area as well yeah, which yeah. obviously helps as well mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. I think it's good that you're willing to take risk because judging by what you've just said there mm-hmm. having so many members rammed out you could have potentially started losing members couldn't you due to it just yeah, being so yeah. busy there were people saying say you know when you get members telling you that you're like right okay yeah I probably don't need to do something about it um, it's tricky because like every, most gyms 
most gyms that are worth the salt between half four and half six, they're going to be busy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't get away from it, really. People want good kit, quality kit, um, and a good atmosphere. And I think, you know, we tick all those boxes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to, it is going to get busy. Um, but at the same time, we need to counter that by making it a good experience. So it's a tricky balance oh. to find, really. You don't want yeah. too many egos in there, do you? No. Especially yeah. at that six o'clock time where you've got, you've got people leaving work and whatever else they want, a comfortable session. and Yeah, and that's where yeah. Tanya's great and comes in because she'll bring anyone down a peg or two. Yeah. The... Obviously, after COVID, you had to wipe all your equipment down, mm. and she wasn't scared at all at throwing a wet flannel at you. If, uh, if you'd forgotten, yeah, you didn't have a yeah, wet flannel, flannels, I'll, yeah. I'll never forget it. Yeah. I, I made sure first thing I did, I yeah. had it in my hand at all time. I won't get a wet flannel thrown at me. But she won't, no matter how big or small they were, she was launching a flannel at them if they didn't have one on them. It was brilliant. Yeah, see it now. Like she's, um, she'll go up to anyone and have, have a go. She'll not, she give a shit. Good. Yeah, it's, it's good because it gets rid of dickheads as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you Why don't like it, do one sort of. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing that's perfect cost. Like, we've got, it literally says on the website, no knobheads. We've got a no, <laughs> no knobhead rule and it's on the website. And we tell everybody that as well. Now, you first, the rules of the gym are you put your weights away and you don't be a knobhead. Mm. And that is literally the, the rules. Because, um, you know, we'll clean it. We'll make it spotless and we try as best to keep it really fucking clean. Um but you know you do your bit as well. Yeah. And, like we have actually banned probably probably about eight people in the last year. That's good. Yeah. Not that we want to. No. But not good as in business. But yeah. I mean, good. Yeah, well, it will overall it will be good for business. Well, yeah, it? yeah. Got, if you don't tow yeah. the line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of putting weights away, um, <laughs> our lass has a few friends at the train at a gym not far from here. Um, it's got a word and then two numbers. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she had like this three day trial thing and she's like, will you come with me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course will. She never goes to the gym and her mates go there for classes or whatever else. And I went in, dog shit playlist on. And I said, it's not, <laughs> I just said, it's no from me. And she wasn't trying to get me there with her. What she wanted, just a bit of comfort to have a look about. Yeah. So anyway, looking about, did this session with her. I said, I certainly won't be moving here. She went, why? What's up with you? I went, there's fucking weights everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everywhere. Yeah. And it was just like, where there were treadmills, there were little two and a halfs, even probably three kg, two and a half kg dumbbells just behind treadmill. It's like, it's not, it's not, it's not a 45. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not moving the earth. Just move them, put them away. Yeah. And it is like that rule at your gym where it's put your weights away. It just makes life easy. Yeah, she spends it, half her life on CCTV time. Yeah. You know, if they've left the gym, she'll take a screenshot, she'll send them it. And I, you know, there's a, there's a lad called Leon comes into the gym. He's like, honestly, every time Tanya's name pops up, I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's always getting done for it. Um, but yeah, like even like the dumbbells in the right order, mm. that's a massive thing for us. Like, you don't want to be going, right, I've got a two and a half. I need to go, what, 10 metres to find another two and a half. Or, you know, just random, just put them back in order. Yeah, yeah. Do it all the time. It sounds like you've built a, a community, basically. As much as you've opened a gym and you've set up yeah. a business, it sounds to me, I mean, I have to say, it's appealed to me plenty of times as your gym. I've never been, I'll be honest with you. But it, even looking from when you were, 
lockdown and everyone carried on paying the membership and then people probably froze the membership and came back and everyone looks after it and it just sounds to me like you that's what you've built more than more than a business you've built a community of people that are all at same mindset yeah. all looking you know for greater good of things and i use council gym up here sedgeberg and that's one thing that's missing there you, you say hello to odd people that you know but there's no community vibe at all yeah. really you know what i mean We've got, it's good because like it's, it's nice to be studying gym sometimes you look around and there's different people who've never met before mm. but they're having a chat in gym uh it happened earlier today you know there were two guys talking about crossfit and competitions they've never met before saw each other training similar style tied talking yeah not about doing a competition together now. Yeah, yeah, but even just like the guys who just help each other out, give each other a spot, that sort of thing. There's loads and loads of people I've got to know each other now. We've got, mm. well, Damo's got married, he met her in the gym. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? So, what, in Pride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's loads good. of relationships. We've had loads of failed relationships come from mm. Pride as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's probably the most successful one is Damo and Kirsty as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good in that respect as well that there's no perverts. Like, don't. No one's going to try and hit on people. If no, no. Gym, by the way, but it's just good that people can get on and talk to each other and stuff like that. It's really nice. And like mm. we have a Christmas do as well. We had a Christmas do up at uh, Arrow Club up the road. And there are like 100 people there um, just getting levered with each other. That's so watching. good. That's, that's one thing that I, I need it really for my training and I can't get it up there. But a lot of, a lot of my training, obviously I love speaking to people but I take so much advice off of people. Like, I wish when I were training day to day, people would stop me and say, look, if you do it this way, it's going to help you a bit more. Yeah. Or, you know, advice and point out where you could be going wrong and how you could do things better. Because for me, like, with sport that I do, it's completely it's it's completely independent sport. Like, I can't really get a coach for it. I do ultramarathons. Yeah. And, like, at present, over winter I've been trying to do strength and conditioning which I've got a fair idea of but because I've no one really guiding me through it I can be lapsy-daisy and it's just e been easy for me some days where I can't be asked chucking weights around and I can't be asked doing lunges because I don't fucking want to no one likes doing lunges I can just no. go on the treadmill and run for fucking 15 mile and yeah. it's like ah, I've done my exercise today but it's definitely not what I need to be doing over yeah. winter so now I'm in a place where, well, I've probably gathered a little bit of strength over winter, but conditioning-wise, I haven't achieved fucking anything close to what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, like you say, you guys have got that in abundance down there just in because you've got that community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, everyone's... The good thing about the gym is everyone's coming in for a different reason. We've got guys who come in and just not, they're not even that bothered about training. They're just coming for a chat sometimes. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honestly honestly people come in sometimes and they'll stand at the desk for 20 minutes talking they'll go do like three exercises like barely even get the heart rate up come back chat for 20 minutes more and leave which is fine just get some out of the out get some chatting to feel better i'll be honest my training fit that my my mentality on training has dropped since covid yeah. like before i loved it and now like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy it, but not half. I don't know why. I don't, I feel like I need someone, but then again, it's just I don't. I don't know what it is. I just. Don't, I think it, it just like through COVID for like fucking six months for just been doing dumbbell raises or whatever in my front room. Fucking, I don't know. I just. 
I'll just I go to I'll maintain. At home, like, yeah, I go to maintain now. I don't want to break any records or all like that, but I enjoy it when I'm there. It's getting there and then doing any extras or all like that. It's just not for me. But to, I, like, I need a boot up ass. But I've never had a training partner me, and that's because I'm just fucking reclusive weirdo. But um, do you know Sarah Fern? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. comes to us. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I did a session with Sarah the other yeah. week. Did one exercise for about two hours. She would not let me stop until I got it absolutely yeah, perfect. She's but I have never ever had such an enjoyable session. Just someone stood there with me, doing it with me. Yeah. Not no comp, no competition at all. You know what I mean? I well, you know Sarah. She's an absolute perfectionist when it comes to what she's showing you. And um, at the end of it, we did a you go, I go. Yeah. Fucking hell. Could I move? She's at the end of it. I'm sat on bench slumped over with my bottle of water. Sarah's there with phone taking pictures and laughing and smiling. I thought, this is exactly what I need. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a massive difference. So I think something we should touch on, seeing as we've been over lockdown and we've been over the gym opening, um, really, your views on health and fitness and it's something we seem to touch on every mm. podcast and you know one thing we want people to be able to do is watch uh, well no what not watch, not watch this listen and maybe take away a little thing and i i, I think well, I the think... way that we always go about it is to that person that sat at home on the couch with a fucking bottle of pop in their hand ready to put netflix on i'll as a gym owner and let's say a Fairly oh. professional sportsman in your bodybuilding. How, how can we get across to people how important it is, whether it's to go for a walk or whether it's to come to your gym, not train, maybe just for the first time have yeah. a sign cup of up. coffee. Just sign up, yeah. Just can, can you try explain to people, whether it's scientifically or from a fitness side of things, how important it is for people to just get up and take that first step because... I lose myself trying to get this through to people by pure frustration. Yeah, it's, there's, obviously I can't bring the science out on hand. There is so much out there to say about the benefits of physical uh, training to your mental health. So physical health to mental health, obviously it's all linked. Health is health, you know, whether it's mental or physical. Correct. But it's all encompassing and it all complements each other, obviously. So, you know, if your mental health deteriorates, usually your physical health deteriorates and vice versa. If your physical health improves, your mental health's going to improve, that sort of thing. So in terms of how important it is, uh, I'd say it's massive. And we see it we see it a lot. And I think one of the big things for people is getting out of a rut. You know, if somebody's in a rut, they're stuck, and getting started, and they delay it, and they delay it, and you procrastinate, you procrastinate. It gets harder sometimes to get out of that. So I think one of the big things I'd say is just to snap out of that is just to commit to something small. Don't commit to a bodybuilding competition. Don't commit to doing a CrossFit competition. Don't commit to an ultra marathon, for example. Yeah, just commit to something small, and that it's all about progression. We talk about it a lot on our programs. You know, progression can come in many forms. Not by don't mind don't it don't have to be that you lift a heavier weight. It could be just you lift it better. You know, if you're we're not if you, all right, you're not eating two and a half liters of water a day. You're you're doing half. Let's just get seven seven hundred fifty mil a day. That's mm. progress. Progressing from sitting on the couch having a bottle of poppies, getting up off the couch. I'm walking for 10 minutes yeah. and then come back feel you know I did that I feel better for myself I'd say 
it's all, so you heard about goal setting, aren't you? Smart, all that stuff, making things realistic, achievable, targetable, that sort of stuff. Set yourself goals that are achievable, basically, and, and increment them. And just do one at a time. I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk. I did that. All right, sound. All right, that wasn't that, one that bad. All right, what am I going to do next? I'm going to visit a gym. I'm going to have a look. I'm not going to train. I'm going to walk mm. around. I'm going to walk through the door. And that's the big thing we try and take out. Do you know that anxiety walking through a gym door? We try and take it out for a lot of people. We do gym tours. We do a lot of showing inside the gym, trying to bust myths. You know, gyms these days aren't spitting sawdust. It's not clanging weights. It's not Ronnie Coleman shouting, yeah, buddy, as he like squats a thousand pounds. Like yeah, buddy. Wish it was. But, yeah, wish it was. A lot of us do, but it's just not that. You know, it's just not that at all. So I think that, you know, doing that, basically just doing those little steps, committing to sort of visiting a gym, walking through the door, asking about memberships. That's a massive yeah. step. Yeah, you get a feel for the place, walk around. Watch you, things are accessible these days on your phone. Back in the day, walking through, having knowing what's inside a gym, you'd have to walk inside to see it. Now you can do it, sat on that couch with that bottle of pop. You can look inside and get a feel for a place. Mm. It don't have to be our gym. It could be any gym. You know, it could be Sedgeburg. It could be one down the road in Brighouse. It could be on Halifax Road. It could be anywhere. But, but mostly pride. But mostly pride, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, it's just getting up and getting inside. Or even just sending a message. You know, you could sit there and send a message. You send a message, you've partly committed there you know you've you've shown willing mm-hmm. don't be afraid of that. that's fine you know we do it we see it a lot so with the programs obviously we do a lot of adverts and we run them all on social media stuff um i've got a little bit of a it's a little bit of a catch where if you want to sort of do the application you just got to put your basic details in to get there but that's when we've got you as a lead then and that's when you get a text message yeah so you get that text message like oh shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> before they've even done the application you know when do you want to call most so and that's that's where we do a lot of triages. Half of people reply, half of people what? Mm-hmm. Those half that have replied, we class them as people that have subliminally committed. They want to do something. Yeah, yeah. So if we can just give them a call, put them at ease, answer their anxieties, you know, they've took a big step. And we still call the people that what anyway, and just try and find out what their anxieties are. Mm. But I think the main thing for people and the advice and the original question is just set small achievable goals, and you'll see the benefit. It's not just that you do a 10-minute walk, oh, I physically feel better. You probably won't even notice a difference. But what you'll do is you've achieved something, so mentally you'll feel better. And then it's about doing that again and just increasing it and progressing. And as long as you're progressing, you're beating what you did last time, you're making yourself better. That's the main thing. I think what you were saying there, like, don't come up to your gym to train, just come up. You say you've got a cafe area now. Yeah. Just coming in and sitting down and having a coffee and maybe a chat with you or your wife, mm-hmm. Tanya, and just being in that environment and uh, around people who've already adapted to that mindset of, I will, you know, I'll, I'll get up at fucking whatever time and even though I don't want to, I think that does your world a good light. Yeah. It's like, I always use analogy, if, if you hang around with 10 people that drink seven days a week, then there's a good chance you're going to end up drinking, in, you know what I mean? And I think that's, I try keep myself around people that have got good mentality and sort of positive outlook on getting shit done, basically, because I know I, I can easy slip yeah. easily. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's absolutely brilliant what you're doing. Moving forward, looking to the future of yourself, Tanya, she sounds like she's the biggest part of all this, to be honest. 
and the gym what what are your sort of aspirations for yourselves and your business moving forward so the gym so the gym itself is basically is going through like a consolidation phase now obviously to do what we've done we've took risks we've borrowed mm-hmm. we need to start just being a business and paying that off in the short term the future within five years is obviously more facilities now whether that's a gym or whether that's a group p group pt facility it's probably going to be the latter um you know we'll wait and see but it's not it's about not standing still really for us personally it's not standing still like um like tanya's unbelievably driven like she gets annoyed if she feels like she's had a bit of a stagnant day if she feels she's not achieving something off their own back and that's a big thing for tanya is achieving something off her own back so for me personally it's supporting her doing that mm. and that's a big thing at the side i've trying to spin more plates as I can. I've, I've set up a car charging EV business with a friend um, and that's gone from within a week being car chargers to car charging on solar. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> What's that then? Building, getting the units built and putting them out there for people to charge the cars or is this for? In- installing them. Right. Yeah, installing okay. car charging points. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we're going through a website build process at the minute. I want to get the website right before we go on like a big launch. We've done like a bit of a soft one. So we're out there doing quotes and where we've got a couple of probably big commercial jobs hopefully coming off as well so that's good um so but mainly it's going to be commercial and domestic sort of car charging points and then solar as well because it can all integrate so it's all hand in hand if that makes sense what's the company name go green at ev go green at ev well like you said we'll plug everything for you when when we're done give it a tag Mm. Yeah. yeah So yeah, so doing that, so building that side of the business as well, um, and just keeping ourselves busy. Often you find, so one thing I struggle with sometimes is organizing my thoughts, like my to-do lists on my phone. I have you know, notes on your phone. I use that for my to-do list. It's like that long. Mm. It's fucking massive. And the stuff that's been down the bottom for like three, four months now, I just don't get around to it. So it's just getting myself organized is one of my main things. I set myself up a, a weekly calendar so I should know what I'm doing hour by hour. Um, it's following that's a big thing I need to try and start actually following it I've done it <laughs> I did it for about two weeks and I'm like just do what I want again um, but yeah so that's the main thing short term is gym consolidate grow internally and then externally more locations and then other interests on the side started developing them as well okay now so you're a dad you're an husband yeah. you're a multiple business owner What's your training regime and how the hell do you fit in? <laughs> so it's funny you say that. Like my training's gone to shit, like really bad. Um, I actually joined a gym in Keefley, NRG. It's a gym over in NR Gym. It's in Keefley because I know the owners there. I got to know them through mm. COVID. Like got to know a lot of people for random reasons. Really nice guys. Really really nice gym. So I joined there, and my intention was right. I'm going to solidly train three days at least a week, and I'm going to go over there and do it. Uh, I got a membership. I didn't go for four months. <laughs> Uh, I try and train at Pride when I can. When I'm at Pride, I sp- if I were trained an hour and a half, this morning I trained for an hour and a half. I probably trained for about 40 minutes. The rest of the time I start talking to members and stuff like that. Like, it's good and bad. Like, it's good, it's perfect course. I love it. I love mm-hmm. talking to members. I love seeing what's going on with them. For those guys, it's like five minutes out of their session. But for me, it's like, I've got 10 of those yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you end up getting fucking freezing and cold between sets and stuff. Like... Um, 
Tanya and Damo are really good at just ignoring people and getting on with training. I'm really shit. And you know what is I can't even blame the members because I usually go up to them and start the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah, for me personally training, it's just more like ticking over. Like so with the bodybuilding, that was my goal, my focus. That's what kept me sane. Now it's totally switched to just being like business. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, I don't think. You know, like, because thing I I guess in a way, you're at a point now where everyone else's success sort of relies on you. So you don't keep that business going in everything. People lose jobs, members don't have a gym, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They ain't got that community anymore. So I suppose it's really un- a really unselfish thing to do, really, to put yourself second constantly. I yeah, it's like, so we, obviously it. we provide a facility, but people pay to use that service as members, but we also got PTs pay rent as well. Mm. You know, So we've got to make that a good facility to them to train their clients from we give i try and make it fair that they've all got sessions and classes to teach that's can offset that rent as well so you know it lowers that burden so it's a hand-in-hand thing it helps us because they teach sessions and our clients but it offsets their rent that sort of thing so it's making sure that all ticks over and i think with any business you know i love being there because if anything when i'm there that's my time off the business mm. because i'm enjoying it and i'm there talking to people and stuff like that the time in the business is usually home in the office that nobody sees where you're just pounding keyboard and stuff yeah. like that. And um, I've got better at that. Tanya's still doing it till like 10, 11 p.m. at night most nights, usually yeah. just doing some work stuff. I've got better. I actually started gaming to try and sort of switch oh, off nice. from it a bit. So I do like, so it's actually lads from the gym. <laughs> I've got like a lot of lads from the gym who play COD. So just doing that, it's uh, probably an hour or two a night. Mm. So we'll just do that. And that just helps me switch. It puts my phone down. You know, I just get, yeah. WhatsApp can be fucking wild, man. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so it just helps with that. And this so, has been good for me because I've just been off my phone for an hour. So. so one thing as well that I'd take away for this episode is take a risk. If if you're out there and the risk is uh, a looming, would you say, obviously, ev- not everyone's got the business mind like you have and the spreadsheets, but you'd say if there's a risk and you've got a gut feeling, go for it. Yeah, it's all about a gut feeling. I love spreadsheets. Like I'll spreadsheet, I'll spreadsheet <laughs> all day. Um, but yeah, risk is massive. Like obviously, you've got to sort of. You, there's. I'm always taking. I've always wanted to take risks, and I've always will take risks. I've done it since. Well, I've done it. I've been doing it for the 16 years, probably now. Mm. I've been taking. Well, actually, no more than that. 20 years since I joined RAF. So always taking risks, um, because I think you'd never get anywhere if you didn't. Yeah. You know, unless you get someone handed on a plate to you all the time. <clears throat> at the same time if you get something handed to you have you achieved it mm, maybe not mm. so it's all about that risk and achievement for me it's always 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 look for it always drive for it mm-hmm. that's the main thing yeah. good really? thing is that, I mean it seems a lot what you've done you've come up with an idea you haven't just said right let's go it's not risk as in a risk it's calculated risk and it? it's yeah. coming up with an idea sitting down having a look this is what I can do what potential hiccups could be in where what are positives what are negatives what's goal yeah, yeah and doing it that way but i i i think that's really a, for up and coming generations i think you're seeing it a lot more i mean kids are so business minded now it's mm. untrue oh, yeah. I, yeah. I messaged some lads the other day uh more trends i think they're called they're they're clothing oh, company. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah they're only young lads but you look yeah. at what they've done you're like fucking when i were well, I think they were, well, I don't know how old they are. I think but they're in the 20s. Yeah. Early, very early 20s. Early, yeah, yeah, very early 20s. I wasn't thinking past what were happening on weekend, man. No, no. 
But what, yeah. messaging them to come on pod? Messaging them to come on pod? Yeah. They're entrepreneurs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know if it were for your personal clothing or for pod. I can bring some of them with them, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I want to take this time to thank you very much for coming. You're obviously a very per, very per, busy, very busy person, and you've spent a lot of time with us, and I appreciate it. And I'm sorry, Jake, don't say. Yeah, really, thanks a lot. And it, I think it's good for someone like yourself because I really do believe that guys like you deserve some recognition. Mm. I mean, people who don't know you'd say, "Oh, that fellow that owns gym." I mean, truth be told, I just knew you were owner of Pride Gym. Didn't know you'd been through RAF. Yeah, yeah. And, you That's, know, you've yeah. really got a chance to tell people who you are and really the ethos of your business that it's not just a money-making scheme for you. You, you know, you, you, you try to set something bigger than that. So, mm. yeah, great fella. Thanks no, so yeah, much. Cheers. No, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it, yeah. Do you want to tell us your websites and... Instagrams or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the website's thepridegym.com. Um, the Go Greener one's going to be gogreenerev.co.uk. Um, socials at the Pride Gym. And I, th- I think that's the same on Facebook and uh, Instagram. You, just, mm-hmm. you can do like Facebook slash the Pride Gym. Um, don't use Twitter. It's just there for trolls, I think. And then. Uh, <laughs> TikTok, we're on TikTok as well. I don't even know because I don't use TikTok. So I'm too we'll plug it. We, we'll we'll yeah. put a list of all your socials. I can, you, I can tell you what it is. Hang on. I've got it here. And I fucking hate it's it. It's not something I've done, TikTok. It's the Pride Gym underscore. Brilliant. And um, we're actually doing an offer with Tez. So if you um, go on his website and put in the offer code, Tell Us Your Tale, you can have twelve month membership for exact same <laughs> price as what it charges. Yeah, and a free coffee. Yeah. But no, I, like I say, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this is all new to us. You know what I mean? This isn't even a business, and it does our tits in trying yeah, to organise it, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? So yeah. for someone that's relying on it for a living and for the family, I think it's yeah, fucking brilliant. Really. And like you say, your your mental health is just as important as your physical and. I don't know how you do it because this drives us insane most mm. days, doesn't it? Like doing the pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we thought just be, buy some microphones, sit around this table and talk and then you start trying to actually get people here and it's like fucking chaotic, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's good though, isn't it? It's, it, it's, it's brilliant. Been, we'll, we've got 60, 60 followers on Instagram without putting an episode out so you can't really grumble so far. Yeah. So um, we're, we're building. As always... This episode's going to come out in a weeks few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing we're really struggling with at minute, this is to listeners, not to Tez, is women. Yeah. We've got an influx of gentlemen that want to come speak to us, which is fantastic. But ladies, we need you. So if you've got a story to tell, again... We'll get, ta- we'll get Tanya's point of view, being at home with kids whilst uh, Tez is enjoying herself in Cyprus and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> But no, we do. We need yeah. women, so yeah, yeah. I'm we- sure we'll have a lot of Pride Gym members listening to this yeah, episode. Yeah. So like ladies, business, sports, personal life, trauma, yeah. achievements, crime and retribution, bloody anything and any- everything. Yeah. If you've got a point to get across... We've got a platform yeah, for you to sit down you. and do yeah. it. Yeah, so, brilliant. Ciao for now, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Tez.